Good morning. And Happy New Year. And if you have made a New Year's resolution to be in church more, you are at 100%. So congratulations. And welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. My name is Dawson Taylor, and I serve as your senior minister. And we are blessed by your presence this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, we are especially honored by your presence. And I want to welcome those who are joining us via live stream and Facebook Live those who will download our audio podcast, and those who have gathered this morning at Bentley Village. No matter how you're worshiping with us, we are honored uh, this morning and blessed to have you with us. This is an exciting morning and lots going on on this Epiphany Sunday. And uh, one of the wonderful things that I know you will be especially glad that's uh, happening is that we have the Festival Singers with us, which is a professional chorus led by Dr. Kevin Fenton, who is on faculty at Florida State. And uh, again, they uh, are singing with our choir and doing some things by themselves. They gave a beautiful concert yesterday, and then to have them here in worship this morning is quite a gift, and I know that you will um, certainly appreciate that gift. Is the Chicago Theological Delegation here? They were making their way. There they are. So I want to uh, recognize some wonderful colleagues uh, from Chicago Theological. As you all know, that's one of the uh, one of the many things that um, I am most proud of, though, however, is uh, serving as a member of the Board of Trustees, but also as uh, being an alum. And also you will remember that Wesley Snedeker, one of our own, is an alum of CTS. But this morning we have uh, two members of the staff, Jason, who has just been promoted to Vice President of Student Services and Dean of Students, and his husband, Chad, who I always mess up his last name, so we're just going with first names, um, who is, uh, let's see, Chad's title. I actually had to write it down. Director of Engagement and Planned Giving, but he's not asking for money. I wouldn't let him to do, th do that today. And then uh, Don Hart, who uh, retired uh, recently as uh, the president of United Church Funds and is also a member of the board with me. If you all would stand so we can greet you. We're thrilled to have you here this morning with us. And then a member of our congregation, Carol Stram, who was at the nine o'clock service, also serves on the board uh, with us. So really Naples UCC is just trying to take over CTS, slowly but surely, so that's our plan. And uh, speaking of asking for money, and also someone I said couldn't do it, but we were thrilled to have here, is uh, Reverend Andy DeBraber from the national setting. And he has this wonderful title of generosity officer. And so Andy, we're thrilled to have you with us this morning. Come on up, I wanna, you're either way. It, it goes all over is what I'm told. Um, so thank you for being with us this morning and uh, welcome to Paradise because you live in Michigan and I'm told the weather's not quite as nice there this time of year. Yeah, maybe six inches of snow yeah. a few days ago. Yeah. yeah, and you understand why I live here and plan to live here a very long time. Um, I might so, miss the plane on the way home. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so um, what does a generosity officer of a denomination do, pray sure. tell? sure. Well, I really see my role as doing discipleship. Yeah. Uh, if we believe in and follow a generous God, uh, then we're invited as people in God's image to be generous. So I get to come and thank all you generous people for your generous gifts to the United Church of Christ national setting. And I do get to ask for money. Yes, uh, we get to have lots of conversations, so I yes. appreciate that. Um, you know, one of the things that you and I were talking about earlier is, you know, one of the things that we do in January, the lot of churches do in the fall, is that's when we do our stewardship work is in, the, in January because so many people are here. And uh, one of the 
items in our budget each and every year is to be a part of OCWM, our church's wider mission. And that is our gift and, and our work uh, to support the national denomination and the work of the national church. But you know, I think that's one of those church acronyms that gets thrown around and we don't always understand uh, what exactly that does and how that empowers the work of the national church. So I was wondering if you could help unpack that for us and help us understand that better. Sure. Our church's wider mission is really the engine that drives the mission of the United Church of Christ, where we are united in Christ's love, building a just world for all, where everyone is welcome. And so when you give to our church's wider mission, you're supporting all the work that happens. Uh, if you make a gift, for instance, specifically to disaster ministries through the United Church of Christ, and we're doing some of the best long-term disaster relief work, all that money goes to the work. It takes staff, as all of you know, to run that work. So our church's wider mission supports the staff behind that. You are there when people go to our website, ucc.org. Millions of people go there each year and hit find a church near me. Maybe some of you did that before coming to Naples. You're there when we're starting our new overdose and drug use ministries, particularly around the opioid crisis, uh, so that we can equip churches to save lives. And you're there... And we have almost 5,000 churches around the country. 50% of them are under 50 members. 80% of them are under 100 members. So churches like you give to support those churches who don't have the kind of resources to have the type of educational programs and worship that you can develop here on your own. They rely on the resources that come from national. So you are in each of those churches, which are often some of the... the uh, places in their communities where everyone can gather, one of the rarest uh, places in our culture these days. So, I, you know, I see our church's wider mission as you all bringing hope to people around the country and through wider church ministries around the world. So thank you so much for your generosity in that. Yeah. Well, as we were talking earlier, I know that um, this congregation has been one of the top givers to OCWM, and, and I just want to say to you how grateful we are to the national staff uh, for their hard work and our commitment to remain uh, one of those top givers, and how grateful we are for you to take time uh, in between a, a family vacation, and I know you and I will be at a meeting together this week um, uh, in St. Pete, but I just want to say thank you for uh, being with us this morning, and we're grateful to have you and for your great work uh, in our denomination and the great work of the United Church of Christ. So thank you for being yeah, with a us. Pleasure to be here and thank you for your great work in this community as well i've seen and heard so much uh, about that yeah. so thank you thank you andy appreciate it And lastly, uh, during this hour, uh, we want to especially wish our sister congregation, Mayflower Congregational, a happy 30th anniversary. They are celebrating that today, and uh, Reverend Dr. Sharon Harris-Ewing is there representing us and uh, helping them celebrate, and we just simply want them to know that uh, we are with them in spirit, and especially with them through Sharon's presence this morning as they celebrate this milestone. And so in the spirit of being a growing congregation. Let us center our hearts and our minds as we prepare for worship this morning. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day, the gift of this new year. And in this time of worship, we ask that you would speak through me or in spite of me, but that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. 
All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. In 1945, Martin Davis sent his brother a Christmas card, hoping that it would make it before Christmas Day. But it was late. To be precise, it arrived in 1997. And to complicate matters, Martin sent it from Jackson, Mississippi to his brother who lived outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and the card showed up outside of Chicago, Illinois. And the United States Postal Service has no idea why it took more than 45 years for the card to arrive and why it arrived in Chicago rather than Nashville. Now to their defense of all of the mail that the United States Postal Service carries each year, It's one card that arrived slightly a little later than expected. When asked about this, Martin said, you know, I'm really sorry that my brother didn't live long enough to receive the Christmas card. It was quite lovely. It reminded me of an article that I read over the holidays about what you could do with your leftover fruitcake that you had received or baked during the holidays. It had such helpful suggestions as filling potholes, door stops, or weapons of war. Looking back on the holidays is something that we still do in the Christian tradition. It can be somewhat of a lost art this time of year. It feels that the rest of the world has moved on. But Epiphany Sunday, we pause to look back, to reflect once more before moving along. We ponder and think and remember the beauty of this sanctuary on Christmas Eve as candles were lit and silent night was sung. Today is the Sunday that we remember, while tomorrow is actually Epiphany. Some of us keep our Christmas decorations up intentionally. Some of us do it because we just are lazy and haven't taken the time to take them down. Some of us have taken them down. If you're like my mother, the last gift to be unwrapped, she begins taking the Christmas tree down immediately. But you'll notice our decorations are still up. That's why we sing the 12 days of Christmas. Because today is the day, the Sunday, where we remember the wise ones who visited to pay homage to Jesus. But one of the interesting things that always strikes me about this story is how the wise ones were given everything they needed to know. They were told what to look for, where to look, and what to expect. And yet, we're told in the story that Deb just read from the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter, about how they still wandered, still seemed surprised about what they found, and still seemed mystified about who to tell and what to tell. Because this story, like so many in sacred scripture, is filled with mystery and awe, filled with suspense 
and then of course complicated by a lot of power dynamics, rulers and those who threatened that power. And so I don't know about you, but this story seems so unique to my faith journey. It seems that so often what it is that I am seeking in my own life is right there. I've been told what to expect, where to find it, and how to get there. And it seems that every year I take the scenic route, shall we say. And then each new year I set a resolution. This is the year where I'm not going to do that. And then it seems by the end of the year, I keep thinking next year is not the year I'm going to do that. Or maybe by the end of January, I think next year is not the year I'm going to do that. So maybe you have found yourself at the beginning of a new year wondering what it is that you want to seek or where it is that you want to find it and finding yourself on a journey and yet wondering and wandering and hoping just like the wise ones were as they approached the holy child on this journey I went to a small liberal arts college for undergraduate and one of the many things that I love and appreciate about that experience was that I was introduced to many disciplines now I was not a math and science person I know that shocks so many of you but, of course, in the liberal arts curriculum, I had to take certain courses, but I appreciated the fact that the school understood that many of us would not be specializing or majoring in any of those areas. For instance, one of the science courses, a geology course, was nicknamed Rocks for Jocks. <laughs> I chose to take an astronomy course, which was fondly called Astrology. Each Wednesday night, we would go out to an observatory far away from town, and they would give us assignments about certain constellations and stars to identify, and we knew more than anything that it would just be on a test at some point that we had to take. But one of the first constellations that we had to identify was Orion. There's been a phenomenon happening since the mid to late 80s. There is a particular star in Orion that has been studied, that has been fading for the last many years. And when a star begins to fade, one of two things is happening. Either it means that it is dying or that it is going to become a supernova. Now, this is what I love. When a star becomes a supernova, as this star likely will, it could happen tonight or, quote, in 100,000 years. If this particular star becomes a supernova, it will be the brightest supernova that has ever happened in our galaxy. It will be a show like none other. 
But a scientist, interestingly, at the end of this article that I was reading, is quoted as saying, whether the star fades or whether the star becomes a supernova, it will change the look of Orion forever. And I was thinking about that. The first constellation, one of the most prominent that any of us know and can identify, will change forever. And yet that change will be through the perspective of how you see it. Either it will fade or it will be the brightest show in the history of our galaxy. So it seems to me it's really about perspective. It's how you look at it. It's how you see it. You can see it through a lens of fear and uncertainty. Or you can see it through a lens of hope and expectancy. So that's my hope. That's my prayer for each of us and for us as a congregation as we look to a new year, a new decade. And as we look to celebrate our 50th anniversary in three years, to be a congregation that looks through the lens of hope and expectancy. And yes, things will change and they might never look the same again. But when God is at work, it might also be the brightest show and the most exciting event we have ever seen.